We are the creators of reality. Those who have mastered perseverance, those who thrive despite attempts to thwart us, those who make magic at the root of the very trees they hung us from. We are the mountains and the rivers. We are the sun and the moon. We are sand and gems. We are the first and the final. We be big and small. We be light and dark. We be seasoned and youthful. We be sensual and sacred. Those gifted and divine. Those powerful and radical. Those vibrant and ancestral. We are the creators of reality. We are the Black Oasis. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Oasis podcast. I'm your host, Kaya Supreme, and this is a place where we lay it all down. Today, today is a special day because we have the genius, the mind, the most loyal, consistent, quiet storm. Quiet. Y'all ever had a friend, right, that might seem quiet? To other people, but then like you know, and you and you know what really be going on, and you know how they really are. It's like okay, yeah, in school they be chilling. They come over for the sleepover. It's lit. It's turnt. That is this man. He is so resilient. He is so fascinating, divine. Some of the sweet, like the most sweet, gentle character. Sweet, gen- like like you just feel like a warm hug in his presence. I appreciate that, ladies. Gentlemen, non-gender conforming friends, please welcome Nafasi Kifowatani. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. AKA the Foss. <laughs> and I I people will debate me, but I birthed I birthed that. Okay. I birthed the Foss. Fight me. At me. Anyway, Nafasi, welcome to Black Oasis. How art thou? I don't even know how to tell you. Like, life is just, is great, but it's just tiring. There's a lot of, like, transitionings happening uh, right now. Uh, very fast, very quick. Um, it's really that that whole uh, quote, like, if you, you expert to walk, be prepared to run type of thing. Mm. And it's it's been a, a mo- momentum, uphill momentum all the way. Well, I'm so scared I want to graduate. I'm gradu- I graduated and I got to finish it. I-, I wanted a job, had three offers, picked one, you know, and it starts in September trying to do that and graduate. Having a kid, I was like, ooh, family, having a whole kid, you know, still teaching, still mentoring. It's just been a lot at once, but, you know, I'm just happy to, to be doing it all and moving through it. And thank you for making the time to be here. Like, I, I do not take it for granted because... I'm well aware of the many, many balls that you juggle. So just thank you for creating and making and finding the time to be here. We just want to love on you, feel you up a little bit. Make sure you leave here knowing how badass you are. I'm sure you already know, but we're going to add to it. So why don't you just tell people a little bit about who you be? What's your background? Where is Nafasi from? What does Nafasi mean? What does Nafasi do? All the things. All the things. I love it. So I don't even know where to start. So, well, Nafasi. Nafasi means seize opportunity. And then you can't forget that last name, that Kipuatani last name. 
Um, yeah, 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 I know it's the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what do I do? I am currently a grad student, uh, finishing up my PhD in biomedical engineering, um, focusing on trying to develop a delivery system using, uh, I guess, biomaterial gels that can allow cells that are put in to work optimally to treat and work on osteoarthritis. That is my goal, to make the cell know that they are happy and do the best they can when placed in these gels. Um, been doing science and research most of my life, and I love like investigating things and trying to figure out things and taking things apart, finding a nitty gritty and putting it back together. Um, and I really do research for one major reason, and that's really to help people. Um, I don't even know why else I would do research. Like it's not something that burns, I guess, or builds my desire, but it is something that I love to perform and do because I know the end goal is going to help somebody. And that's why I am in the field that I am in. No flossy. Yes, ma'am. My God. Hey, I started with genius. Now y'all heard, so, for anyone who knows what he just said <laughs> and what he's talking about, at me in the comments and let me know because all I heard was science, 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 but like life-changing, groundbreaking research. Life-changing. And so you are literally, you walk in your name, you seize, you've seen some opportunities. And, and by no means are you mediocre. You are an extremely excellent black man. My question is, how did you get to the place where you were like, you know what, I'm going to go into the engineer field. I'm going to go into biomedicine. How did you get to this this place? To be honest, uh, getting to the even the field of biomedical engineering is more of a, a trial and error. Um, I went through regular biology uh, way back when, when I graduated in, in 2008 from Skidmore. And then I ended up going to pharmacy school and I was like, you know what? It ain't for me. It really ain't for me. Um, I, I didn't like that I was, I wasn't helping people to a level that I desired. Um, like I didn't mind being a pharmacist. It's just, I needed to, like, I felt like there was more of a need in a different direction. So then I decided to stop pharmacy school, like late in the game. And for those who have been in pharmacy school, you know, once you hit that like 50 or 60, you almost done. But I was like, you know what, this isn't for me. And I had to go back and, and start again. And I really found something I was passionate about. I spoke to some friends. It was like, you look like you're you're really good with your hands or really good with engineering. And you really do have a passion for biology. Give this a shot. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, you know, I'm, I'm very like laid back. But once I see something I'm passionate about, I go for it. So I started it. And what really got my passion burning was a, a researcher, uh, Dr. Deborah Dust, who I believe is still at Northeastern University. Um, and she, I told her, I was like, hey, I want to do drug delivery. And she was like, no, uh, you're going to work on this. And I was like, what? Uh, sure. You know, just follow your mentors. Uh, that's a good lesson right there. Follow the site and we'll give it to you, even though you don't see it. Mm -hmm. um, so she told me to work on these polymers, these, these little gels that come together and form these big structures. And lo and behold, the project that I landed on was working on um, developing tracheas for babies that are born without tracheas using a hydrogel. So we tried to make these materials that could replicate tracheas and act like tracheas once we put them in. And they're little gels. Um, I can send you the paper about it. It's pretty cool. That's what really drives me, right? Like helping people to that level. So I was like, uh, I like this kind of stuff. And I just continued on it through grad school. 
ended up doing a little bit of side projects leading to, um, I guess, 3D bioprinting. And I was like, I love this part of it. Um, and I tried to do some bioprinting stuff and started creating these like osteochondral or these like plugs that you can put into your knee and they are supposed to help heal it. Um, I didn't take off of that project, but I was like, you know, there's something with this interaction that we're not studying. And lo and behold, I wasn't the only one who thought about that. Like an article came out in like 2022 where they were referencing um, the fact that we are using these stem cells and putting them into materials um, because once you place them in, they are supposed to live, thrive, and grow, just like getting a new apartment or getting a new house, right? You live in a new house, you want to be happy. These cells want to be happy. And what that researcher noticed is that the cells are behaving weird. They're behaving different, and everyone's still putting them in these these new houses. So I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I should investigate some things that could affect the house. So the thing that I affect or started looking in was the uh, stiffness of the material, how hard it is. And to put that into relation, uh, it's really like that story, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, where the end she was like laying on the bed. And, you know, she picked the bed that was most comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Just like people, we pick the bed that's most comfortable. And just like cells, they pick the bed that's most comfortable. And that's what makes them happy. And really trying to figure out what makes them happy or what material makes them the happiest so that way they can perform the best is where I, I ended up. And that's where I'm at right now, trying to finish my thesis. Does that make sense? <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. Number one, thank you for the layman's terms. Number two, <laughs> I can't believe I know you. <laughs> I can't, I know, I literally, I'm flabbergasted. Wow. Number I just do things. I just do things. That's I tell just, you. Uh, and that's just a little bit, a little bit of what's going down in the pain. Um, yes. Number one, thank you for all that you do. Um, it's very much behind the scenes, so much so that people don't even know. We just go to the doctor, we just go see our healthcare provider, and then we just have, like, our, our baby now has a trachea. No one knows that there are real human beings using their minds to establish and create these new technologies to really transform and change lives. So number one, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. I know that people who are in the military get, you know, people say thank you for your service. No, but thank you for your service because my God, like there's such a nuance and attention to detail that's required there to even recognize that that's a need. And um, wow. I'm, I'm truly honored, truly honored to know you. And so you, you doing this, you building tracheas, and you done had your own baby. And now, as a person who was a, a child care provider for over a decade, I am very, very, very well aware of the, uh, the requirements of what is required to raise a newborn and so on. And so how did you find yourself juggling and being able to manage and balance new baby your 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 husband, and at the same time being in grad school with research. Yeah, I think that's the the toughest part is really the grad school thing and really trying to finish it. But um, after speaking with a couple of people and really uh, people who have had kids in grad school, they said it's probably the most flexible time you're gonna have wow. with a kid. And that's really because as a grad student, you kind of set your own schedule. You could go in late, you could go in early, you could go in on the weekends, you can go in like whenever you feel like it. You could go in from 12 a.m. to 8 a.m., uh, you know, as long as your advisor is okay with it. So 
I guess starting a family was really based off of my availability to be flexible for a newborn's needs. Like if I have to go to the doctor, if he has to get picked up, if I have to change something in my schedule, it's easier to change it now than to change it with a nine to five where I have to be present and I can't be leaving consistently. So I think it was easier to start the, the basis right now before I start my job in September, wow. to be honest with you. Um, and I, I, I think it was more of a communication thing. My wife was like, I want to have a kid. And I was like, ah, you know, I want to finish grad school. <laughs> but it was really the, the press of that and making sure we had our foundation straight. Like we didn't jump into having a kid when we first started. Or it took us maybe about, we were married in 2019. It took us, I guess, three, three and a half years, four years to have a, a baby. We wanted to make sure we were good before the baby could come into the place. Like we just moved. That's why all of this is kind of still messy, but we just moved into a bigger space so that way the baby would have enough space um, and really just trying to make that work. But in terms of juggling, it's just really the flexibility that my grad student schedule allows me to do so. Um, and also just planning out projects. Like I don't need to be there 24 yeah. seven in order to read articles and, and be that present um, in what I need to do. Like if I need to feed myself or if I need to make sure everything is good in the lab, I could do that within a couple of hours and then leave. And also, there's so many supportive people around me, like um, at my grad school, the Center for Inclusive Education. Shout out to them if they if they ever listen to this. <laughs> um, I'll make sure they do. But there's so many people there um, that are willing to watch Jackson uh, while I teach a class and, and be with him um, during that time if I need to write a paper or do stuff. Um, even at my other site where I go to at Northwell, where I was able to let Jackson, even though he was kind of sick, they held him for a couple hours while I took care of what I needed to do there, and then I took him back home. Wow. So it's just having that type of support and the people around you as well that allows you to do that. And it starts with, you know, developing that family, because, you know, when you go to grad school, it isn't just you, it's you and a group of people. So once you develop that family around you and develop that support, um, everything is good. And also, let me be clear, my family is supportive as well. <laughs> they're just, yeah. just, just to make it seem like that, not to make it seem like that, not. <laughs> But they've been supportive and, and helping us meet our needs as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm hearing how community um, upholds you and, and really and, and really allows you to to thrive and be able to manage it all. And and so we know each other through the nation of Indugan and Zenga. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. And and so like when I'm when I hear you talk and I know your personality and I know I would consider you to be um, Right-brained? Do I have the brains right? The creatives are left? Okay. And we're just going to listen. If I'm wrong, correct me. But we're gonna, I'm one of them. The right, you're the opposite of me. So, <laughs> being such a, a heavily spiritual space, right? Not religious, but just a heavily spiritual space um, and, and rooted in so much aesthetics, so much um, art, so much creativity. What was the draw for you? Well, I actually know the answer to this question. But what was the draw for you that said, hey, you know, this is somewhere where I want to be. I want to join an African Rites of Passage organization. So it was, it's crazy how I got started. Uh, the, the real draw was the simply answer the question. Uh, it was the, the support of the people around me. Like even no matter what I was going through, no matter what I was facing, um, I wasn't, I wasn't judged. I wasn't um, considered unequal, unnecessary, or um, that I would, that I belonged. Yeah. 
Um, during that time when I joined in Duguna Zinga, I felt like I wasn't at a place where I belonged to the world, to anybody. Um, and I, the love that I received got me through a lot of things and showed me that I can be bright even when I felt dim. Mm. Uh, and I can be strong even when I felt weak. Um, and it was okay to be me. Yeah. And I think that's what, what really got me here. But to be honest, I didn't even know it existed until, until my bro Colin was like, let's join this book club. Come <laughs> come read this book. And I was like, all right, I'm going to read this book with you. <laughs> and truth, truth be told, Bob was teaching a class, and it really wasn't a book club. But <laughs> it was what it was. And I think that type of energy and, and the fact that, you know, Bob was just like, yo, you should be a part of this. And I love that I got during that time of getting in and journeying and getting to the point, like, it was like, if you committed to this, I'm committed to you type of thing. And it was just, it was just beautiful. But yeah, you know, follow, follow that, that site. You think you joined a book club? It's okay if you're not. You just join it. <laughs> you go it. Yo, the way that's so, listen, I had a situation this week where like I've been embarking upon like this new creative journey and, um, and I started to feel like, you know, what I had envisioned was not what was happening. And as, but but there was also a part of me that was like, you've been here before, like you've been blindfolded and walked places. Like you don't need to know what's coming next in order for the what's coming next to be absolutely phenomenal. As a matter of fact, it's going to blow your mind either way because you can't see it. When I tell you literally yesterday, exactly like like things changed on a head on a dime. Like it was it was the most phenomenal thing. I love those moments where we just allow God to just God. We just allow God to just, and we don't have to control and we just surrender and go. Um, and it's scary because how do we know? You know, like, how do I know this book club ain't going to end up something wild and, and weird and crazy? But, you know, how grateful, how lucky are we to have been chosen to be just like divinely guided, you know? Um, and I got to meet you. I got to meet you. I got to meet you. Are you kidding? I got to meet you. That's that's a blessing right there. No, 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 sir. And and you also like you bring such a value and such a um, I don't know. Like people, unfortunately, like compartmentalize. We love to categorize and judge and and place people, but you don't fit in in one box at all. Like you are witty. You're hilarious. Like you could be just as flexible and creative as the next person. At the same time, you know that cells like to be comfortable and shoot. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> same time you're building tracheas. Like what? So shout out to you. Shout out to your mama, your daddy, everybody else who put their hands on you, um, yeah. and your wife who upholds you and makes sure that everything is set straight and that you're loved and, and reinforced. And shout out to your baby. Shout out to your baby. Cool, baby. Oh, six-month baby with two teeth. You're a dad, and it just blows my mind. Mm, who are you telling? I wake up, like, every time I look at him, every month that happens, I'm like, oh, my God, I kept you alive for this many months. I can't believe it. You did. Uh, oh, you're phenomenal. Cut yeah. it out. Um, like, I kept you alive. Of course you did. As a matter of fact, yeah. probably thriving and learning how to build tracheas in his sleep right now. Hopefully. We'll see how, we'll see how it manifests. <laughs> um, so I always ask people, you know, like two simple generic questions because I love to get varying perspectives on the same topic. 
and most Black people are aware of and talking about the same things, whether it be at your coffee shop or in your graduate cohort or at the barbershop or wherever, we hear the buzz. And so my first thing is, you know, as a Black man, what are some things that community can do to support Black men in this time? I think the, the thing that's on my heart and on my spirit is just really, as a dad, what I'm realizing is just support them as they are dads, affirm that they are a part of that relationship as a Black man. Um, we're so used to, and even in my family, we're so used to, like, I guess the the mother being the dominant role, right? Even when I was growing up in my house, my mom was always the leader, no matter what it was, being a single parent, you know, and there are a lot of single mothers out there who go through it. And even like during the times where for my family and uh, the generation above me, the mom was always taking care of the kids and doing the work and all that other stuff. But um, the dad is part of that relationship as a black man, you know, part of that, that cohort, part of that, that leadership, that group, like you guys joined a marriage as a union, you know, things should be happening um, the same way as parents. And I think, and I'm not trying to diminish the, the mother's responsibility because mommy does a lot yeah. that, you know, I cannot do. Um, but, you know, just being part of that partnership and you see even when, you know, you're out and about talking to like friends and family, like, how are you doing mommy? How is everything going with you? And you know, daddy's sitting there struggling in the background trying to make things work, right? Like, I remember my my family came over and they were looking. They were like, how are you doing, mommy? You know, checking on Sherry Ann. And that's great. But I'm sitting here putting together a crib. like, And they're looking at me like, can you change the TV to the like football game? And I'm like, bro, don't you see me putting together a crib for my son while you sitting here on the couch talking to my wife about how bad she's doing? Like, I'm dead. I'm on two hours of sleep, too. Um. So it's really just uh, affirming them for the stuff that they are doing as as a dad or as parents or as co or part of that partnership and just making sure that they are seen for their accomplishments. You know, it's just that affirmation. And I believe it goes both ways too. Everyone should be affirmed for what they do. But just letting them know that they are part of that relationship, that they are seen, really. Um, and I think that that would go a long way um, to support Black men, at least in this time where we're trying to re re renegotiate our relationship with who we are in society. And this being a father is this whole role of being a part of it, um, where you are trying to take more of a, a dominant role in that relationship um, versus letting the mom do the work. And you know some people may still value that, but I think in this time when we are transforming as black men, um, not only are we teachers, and we see this all the time in media where Fathers are like bringing the kids to class and and doing that type of thing. I even walked across the, the graduation stage with my kid on um, to let them know, right? Like I am a dad besides being a graduate student. Yeah. Um, and that's what it is. Like you have to let them know, like this is now part of that relationship. Yeah. Like I am more than just this black man who can learn. I'm this black man who can be sensitive and take care of his kid. Yeah. Oh well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you're getting funneled with lots of affirmation right now because um, it is important. It is important. We we got to be we got to be supportive of one another, and um, I I think I think we are 
are all starting to see the value. It's not so many people know the value, but even more starting to see the value and the importance of making sure that we we speak and assume the best of one another, especially our brothers. Um, what is what is your spiritual practice these days? Um, to be honest, I don't have like a specific like. Uh, well, I don't have a specific like religion or religious practice. My spiritual practice is really just hanging out with my altar, which is literally right behind me, and just sitting there and just meditating that and with the ancestors for like a good ten minutes before I start my day, so that way they know I recognize them and that they, they I know that they are important to me, and I remember you know all of the things that they have been through, especially my mom because she's not here. So I, you know, it's just really that whole communion of um, the people who got me to this point to know that I am okay and that. Um, that are pressing me forward. And that's really my, my whole spiritual practice. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't associate religion with spirituality in, in, in the least. I think they're very different yeah. things. Um, so, Ashe, I mean, are you, I, I think that's all you need right there. You know what I mean? Is is paying homage and supporting the invisible that upholds, upholds us every day. Um, so my final question, because um, this is my favorite one, if you had one wish, one wish, right? Like you're going to sleep tonight, you wake up tomorrow and it's true. One wish for black people, what would it be and why? Mm. For black people? Yep. This is, this is, so this is always, well, if you know me, you know I'm all about them dollar signs. <laughs> like I love me, me some money, even though I'm broke, I love to make sure that money is right. I'm the 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 one who controls his money the best. Like if you talk to my wife, she will tell you I'm cheap, but I'm really just making sure my money's right. Yeah. Um and my one wish for black people is just to really if I woke up tomorrow and they knew the power of that tool in their life, I'm pretty sure we understand our relationship when we have to pay our bills. We like that. It exists, right? But really just making sure like my wish would be that everyone could start with a clean slate. So that we're not arguing about money or trying to get it from other people or trying to hustle it out of people or trying to do all that work. And I say that because you know how much time people spend on like trying to make money, trying to make ends meet, trying to make it work for them, trying to like figure out where they're going to get their meal, trying to like figure out all these things. And it's really understanding that relationship with money. Like, if you don't have to think about all of those things, that tool right there, your life would change. You know how much like people think about money and it causes them psychological stress? Yeah. Like, anxiety, like worrying, like how am I going to put money in my car or gas in my car? Not money in my car, but you know, money, gas, same thing. Yeah. Um, but I say all that to say like, because it's, it's, I've seen it happen so many times with where people don't understand the power of that tool and they abuse that tool or they dismiss that tool when it comes back around to, to get them. And it's like, really if you could just have a that we all have this better relationship with money so that way it doesn't like cause us suffering or cause us pain and we could barter and trade and make sure that everyone's good with it right like as a community like i think we would be in a way better place like schools would be better life would be better right i'm thinking about growing up and not having the same uh education that people in a different like i guess community had right yeah i'm saying community because you know you know what i mean but mm -hmm. Um, it's all of those little things, and I'm not trying to say make money important. What I am saying is that it's a tool just like everything else, just like education, right? Just like time, um, just like heart, like tools that we use on a regular basis. It is something that we 
we take for granted, that we keep personal, and that we keep secret, and that usually hinders our our growth, to be mm -hmm. honest. And we start thinking about like making it more uh, available for people and make, being like making our relationship a little bit more vulnerable. You'll see like it becomes less of a stress in your life and less of a worry. And then you could actually let yourself grow from it. Like it's really one of those things that weigh people down, um, especially when you're trying to hang out with your friends and then you ain't got no money. You saw it in a club. Right. And then it comes back and gets you because you, you're not open or vulnerable about like, hey, I, I can't I can't do this today. You ain't lying. Right. That's what that's what it is. And it's, it saddens me every time like I hear about stories where people are like getting kicked out or evicted when it's really like all I had to do is not go to this one event today and really think about how that's going to how that tool is going to affect me. Yeah, we don't think about that. And that's really what what is on my spirit right now um, to to get like for for the black community, to be honest. Yeah. I was gonna say some generic answer to be honest, but you can be like tranquility, you know, peace, silence, all that. But nah, it's really, it's really this. A lot, of people it. a lot of people are going through it right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think it just comes down to, like you said, vulnerability and then discipline. You know, um, we're not less than if we don't have the same amount of money as anybody else. It's just not true. I know that there, it contradicts everything that we see in messaging, but. We are not less than. Um, we are absolutely divine without material things. However, we do deserve a quality of life that isn't rooted in struggle and psychological stress. And so to have the tool of money would be a, a huge blessing. And um, I, I, I hope there's a day where we don't have to fight for it. Where we don't have to, we just, that it just flows freely and it's not manipulated uh, in order to oppress, suppress certain people. And, um, mm -hmm and spoil others. So shout out to your wish because I want that wish too. <laughs> and um, and it's refreshing because people do like, you know, I want black people to know themselves. I want black people to know the power of their ancestors. I want black people to heal. I want black people to... And all of those things, we want that. And we also live in America. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of us that don't, you know, it's vital everywhere um, because that is what the world has agreed to do. So... Shout out to your wish. Shout out to you, Nafasi. Thank you so much for coming on Black Oasis and taking the time. Thank you for giving us a peek into your world. Um, thank you for just walking upright and living with standard and having a desire to just be your best self because you could choose to do anything. And you choose righteousness and you choose community and you choose love. And we are all made better for it. I don't want you to ever think that that's being taken for granted, even the moments where it feels like it. Um, it is necessary because every choice you make creates a ripple effect and you inspire people no matter if you know about it or if you don't. Um, and I can't wait to see your name everywhere on all kinds of publications and buildings and like, what, like, what is it? Not Pfizer, Fossey. <laughs> One day, I'm telling you, if I could, I would, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, that would be it. That would be it. That's it. Fossey. Yeah. That's going to yeah. be it. If I start a business, that's it. <laughs> you all heard it here. Look, I keep doing it. The Foss. I can't stop. Anyway, you inspire me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I celebrate you. I wish you the best, the best of everything that you deserve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you to everybody who listens to Black Oasis. Continue to support. You can follow us on the socials, Instagram at Black Oasis ATL, Facebook at Black Oasis, YouTube at Black Oasis. And 
Yeah. Oh, and www.blackoasis.org. So thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, stay black. You don't really have a choice. And lucky you. Peace.